0: Thank you for tuning in to the Meridian Friends Church podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any of the sermons posted each week. You can also find more information about our church at www.meridianfriends.org or on Facebook or Instagram by searching Meridian Friends Church. Now, enjoy the sermon. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to continue this series of messages on the Beatitudes. And I have to confess I've had a lot of fun with this series. I feel like I'm learning more about uh, these beautiful words that Jesus taught. And it's one of those things that the deeper you go with it, uh, the more there is to love and appreciate with regard to scripture. I'm thankful for these very compact good words that Jesus spoke to us they speak to us of a different kind of life that is available to us. A life in the kingdom of God here and now. We've been singing today, I noticed, some themes about our life beyond this life. And someday I'll fly away and we'll celebrate that goodness. And at the same time, God offers his presence with us and relationship with us here and now to live together this life with him I think that's why we're here, is we want to be closer to our Lord. Meridian friends, as I start this message, as we find ourselves in part six of eight of the Beatitudes, just very simply, are you loving Jesus? And I mean it. Are you loving Jesus? Regardless of where you are in your circumstance, difficulty, whatever it is, do you find yourself giving more and more of your heart to him? It's what Jesus is after more than anything else is your heart. You and I are cautioned in scripture to guard our heart. It's the wellspring of our very lives. It's my concern for you as a pastor more than anything else. Are you fully devoted with your heart to Jesus? There's so much that we forfeit because we simply ignore the voice of his calling. I want to invite you to stand with me as you're able and invite you to hear what Jesus might say to us through his word today. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5. and I'm going to begin with verse 1. He's offering a life of blessing. Are we willing to accept? Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, we thank you for these incredible words. And the truth is, they're challenging for us. So open the eyes of our heart. Open our minds to what you might say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. There's a connection in Scripture between the purity of your heart and whether or not you see God. You ever thought about that? In recent years, it's become popular to use language such as God hunt. Have you heard of that before? David Main's Chapel of the Air, early 1990s, caught on, and explained in lots of different ways, where we see God. Well, we know that God is transcendent, that we don't necessarily see him with our physical eyes, but what we're talking about is seeing evidence of God's work in our lives and becoming sensitive to noticing that God's leaning us in a certain direction or another or that we're receiving from him what the scripture says to us in terms of practical direction for our lives and changing our character. So Meridian friends, are you loving Jesus? Because if you are, chances are he's talking to you. I really believe this is true. I think that if we are not hearing from God, it's not because God's not speaking. As I read scripture, God's speaking all the time. We're sometimes so afraid of going ahead of God. I think the opposite is true. You remember God talking to the Exodus Israelites, saying, just obey me. I'm taking you into the promised land. And they kept disobeying him and their hearts were hardened. Over and over it says their hearts were hardened. And so what did they do? In Sinai, they kept taking laps. They didn't make it across the Jordan River to the promised land. They just kept taking laps in this desert area which was not pleasant at all and and sometimes we say you know i'm afraid i don't want to go ahead of you god and i think god is saying come on (laughs) let's go if we don't hear god's voice i I wonder if it has something to do with our hearts if we don't see evidence of god enjoying a wonderful barbecue at my son and daughter-in-law's house friday night and he cuts my hair since COVID finished, i love that. Um, So if you like it, (laughs) now you know who to talk to. I've loved the price. (laughs) I mean, what barber gives you a haircut and a free burger? (laughs) It's pretty nice. We were in his backyard and he said to me, that huge tree right there on the other side of their fence, it was crazy. One week ago, there were no leaves that were visible. There were just buds everywhere. And all of a sudden, these huge leaves have emerged within just a few days. And we were both reflecting on how miraculous that truly is. If you're watching, I believe there's evidence of God's work around us everywhere. But it all depends on whether you're looking. It depends on whether you have a heart that wants to seek after the kingdom of God. Someone has said that either there are no miracles in life or all of life is a miracle. And those are basically the choices that we have to choose from. Life in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. Have you ever noticed that children are remarkably honest and candid sometimes when you don't want them to be? I heard the story of a child who was exiting the sanctuary and. The pastor was back there shaking hands and greeting everybody on the way out. The little boy looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, this week I gave you all of my allowance. The pastor said, that's wonderful. Now, now why did you do that? He says, well, it's simple. My dad says you're the poorest preacher he knows. <laughs> Kids have no trouble repeating things that, that you may not want them to repeat. They're open. They live life with this sense of expectancy and transparency about them. And Jesus said, you've got to become like kids in order to see. You've got to become like kids to enter or appreciate the kingdom of God. I believe God is speaking to us. It's about whether or not we're willing as children. And so much of these beatitudes are just that way. I'm poor in spirit. I'm bankrupt. I, I don't have any hope. I don't have any righteousness in myself. I need Jesus. And so we just see this theme over and over. So purity of heart is required in order to see Jesus. I was thinking about purity in children and, and, oh, my innocent little kids growing up. I remember when our daughter was probably two or three years old, and we lived in a parsonage, which was right next to the church, and somebody had happened in. And did I say that with a sigh? <laughs> somebody had happened in, because, you know, we're, we're on the property, <laughs> and They stayed at our house for two and a half hours and and they were somebody that just had a huge problem. And so we were just talking to them, you know, just kind of working it out. And If I gave the sigh, it's because an appointment would have been better. But but there we are in our home and we're visiting and our daughter, who has no reservations at age two or three, just walks right up between us sitting in the living room. She says, Mom, when is this lady going to (laughs) leave? You just kind of cringe inside. One more story, just to be fair, we have a son, too. Uh, when he was, I don't know, five or so, not, not too old, four, he was still cute. What, what's that? <laughs> I mean, what I'm about to say was still cute. I was in the home of a couple, uh, Teresa and I together, and, and we brought Kyle. I think Alyssa was in school. And he was playing with their son, and they were both about the same age. And this couple was going through terrible distress, and it was a very serious, intense conversation, in the living room. And all of a sudden, I watch Kyle just walk down their hallway and I could see an angle to the kitchen. He walked out there by himself. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on him like a good parent, right? But we're still engaged in this serious conversation. And then all of a sudden, I hear the refrigerator open. <laughs> this is somebody else's house. And then I watch him just carry a can of Coke down the hallway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there it is. I think part of our reason that we don't receive or hear is because we're just not open. We're not, we don't have that purity, that genuineness about being able to express our desires before God as children are wonderfully able to do. Blessed are the pure in heart. I want to explore this, this theme with you a little bit. For me, as I've been thinking about it, there are three lessons in this if I want to be more pure of heart, if I want to discover life in the kingdom, maybe more so than I appreciate now, I see that there's something here for me to remember, there's something to review, there's something for me to refocus. And so I want to start here with this word remember. What this, what this helps me to think about and to be reminded that I need to do is I need to remember that God sees my heart. As people, we live in the world of seen things. We live in the world where we have everyday interactions with folks that do not resemble the kingdom of God. <laughs> and we don't always look past people's odd or painful behaviors to their heart. I'm reminded of what happened in First Samuel as uh, David was chosen as the king. And it was revealed to Samuel that God doesn't, Look at the outward things in choosing. God looks at the heart. So David had brothers that were taller. (laughs) And, you know, he was the runt. God doesn't look at those things. You're impressed because Saul is big and whatever. God doesn't look at the outward things. God looks at the heart. See what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are the pure. He could have said in lifestyle. Did you notice that? Blessed are those who are morally meticulous, and therefore they're going to see God. He didn't. He said, blessed are the pure, yes, but the pure in heart. And it's a reminder to me that God is inviting us to look past the exterior of circumstances and even difficult people that we may have a hard time sort of looking past. Now that all may sound good to you. I love the idea of, you know, looking past some of the quirky behaviors and, and trying to give somebody a little credit, <laughs> thinking as children do, you know, they're a little more open than we are sometimes. My personality type is a J, not an F. <laughs> I, I tend to look analytically at why you do things, don't always feel with you immediately, my first response. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> There's a difference between a feeler and a judger. It's fine and well to say, yeah, we should, we should look at people the way Jesus does from the heart. But here's the problem with that. the Scripture says that our heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, we don't even understand what makes our heart tick. And heart, biblically, has to do with your will. It has to do with your ambitions. It has to do with your affections. It is something that's interior or otherwise invisible that manifests itself outwardly. For example, with your words. With your actions, you can't hide your heart too long from the people that are closest to you. They'll find out what's spilling over in your heart. When you hit a bump, the coffee spills. Oh, you're not having a good day. I see that. The heart is deceitful above all things. That's, that's the problem for us. Is We don't always know what's going on in this mysterious world of why we do what we do. And Jesus says, I I want you to hang on to this. It isn't all about what you see on the outside of people that counts. I look at their heart. Blessed are those, the people who are not going to miss the kingdom are those, who are pure in heart. I think this calls us to do something really important. It calls us to review my motives. And if you want to, you can write and you can add some more. And your actions, your motives, and your actions. I want want you to turn just maybe a page over in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 5, 1 to 12, the Beatitudes, we've been going through them very slowly. It's an introduction to what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Crowds gathered, Jesus sat down, and began to teach them. And it goes on and on with red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, if you notice that all the way through, that chapter 7, and it's this is the heart of Jesus' teaching. Matthew's compiled it for us here. It's all together for us to see. It's central to what it means to be a Christian and to live in this world in allegiance to Christ. Well, as a continuation to what's going on here with the Beatitudes, Jesus starts pointing to the heart with all of this. He says about murder in chapter 5, yeah, it's one thing if you don't outwardly murder somebody, but if you hate somebody on the inside, you're already guilty. Lust, same thing. If you don't happen to be sexually unfaithful, if you imagine with your mind or look lustfully on another person, Jesus says you're already guilty and on and on and on. And what he's doing is he's, he's taking these outward behaviors that we want to measure people with and he's saying you need to look to the heart. It goes deeper. The problem The problem with this promise that we want is to see God. The problem is, is that our heart is really tricky. And it's it's, it's a tough thing to even pin down for us. Jesus says, Matthew 6, he gives a big warning about this. He says, be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Let's think about purity for a minute. Purity is to will, well, purity means one substance. So, for example... If I'm gonna fill my car with gasoline, I want it to be a pure substance, right? If there are contaminants in the fuel, it's gonna mess up my motor. You don't want extra particles in your gasoline, you just want pure gasoline, right? Or combustible potatoes or whatever else is in those things sometimes, you know, corn, whatever. But you get it, right? Pure substance, you don't want other stuff to get into it. If you're eating an apple, you're hopeful that there's just an apple there, right? And not a worm. Did you know there can be worms in the apple without there being a hole on the skin on the outside? Did you know this? When, when that precious baby apple is just a little blossom, it's open and the worm gets inside the blossom It gets really comfortable in there. And then the apple forms around it from the inside out and the, and the worm is just happy as can be eaten his way through that apple. So as you eat an apple, there's no necessary outward indication that there's impurity in that apple. When you're eating an apple, you just want one protein source, not two. (laughs) It's impure if there's something else in it. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are pure in heart. They, They have just one thing going on in their heart, not multiple things. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by others. And then beginning with verse 5 in chapter 6, and then on down to verse 19, he talks about the three classic spiritual disciplines of Judaism, of first century believers in God. He says you need to be careful about giving the way you do it. You need to be careful about how you pray. You need to be careful about how you fast. Let me just ask you, are those good things to do? Giving, praying, praying. And fasting, they're, they're great things to do. If it's an apple, it's a shiny exterior. Those are great things to do. But Jesus says, Be careful not to do them so that you'll be noticed by others. So he says in verse 2 When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the street. The word hypocrite is a technical word, it's a word for an actor in the Greek language. Don't be like somebody who puts on a mask announcing to everyone else because the whole reason you're doing this is to get somebody else's attention, not necessarily because someone needs the alms or giving to the temple. It's not because you have a pure heart that's just giving to please God. You're hoping other people notice and pat you on the back. In verse five, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues And on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you, they've already received their reward in full, Jesus says. We've all done that before, right? (laughs) Pray in the middle of the (laughs) groove. Lord, I know that you know about, and, and you tell the Lord something, the Lord already knows. You're doing that for the benefit of other people, right? We're all guilty of it. But don't pray in such a way that you need the notice of other people. When you fast... Jesus says in verse 16, when you fast, of chapter 6, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Oh, I'm sacrificing for the Lord. This is so painful. Don't do that. Be joyful. Don't do it so that other people applaud your religion. This is a tricky thing. Jesus is talking about purity. He's talking about doing good things. These are good actions, wouldn't you agree? this is really challenging because Jesus is speaking to church folks here. He's talking to people who think they are righteous. He's talking to people who who are doing good things and they have the shiny exterior but there's a worm (laughs) digging its way out from the core, your heart. There's something impure going on in you and me because the heart is deceitful above all things. We're, We're The products, the generation, the the great, 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 great grandchildren of Mr. and Mrs. Adam's son. We're we're Adam and Eve's sons and daughters. We're, We're people who are bruised by the fall. We don't understand our own motives. And Jesus is saying, Look, don't be a hypocrite. You know, most people would probably say they know a hypocrite, right? But nobody thinks they are a hypocrite. Have you ever noticed that? I don't think those two things can be the same. (laughs) But that's how it is. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. So much of of what's in the Sermon on the Mount is subtle. It's for people who are willing to get it. It just kind of goes by those who don't really care, who who aren't really seeking after the kingdom. Jesus is saying, look out, folks. Hypocrisy, double-mindedness, is really hard for us to diagnose in ourselves. Do you know that? I really think this speaks to why we need each other. We need good relationships with each other where somebody can be honest enough to ask us really good, thoughtful, hard questions when we are being hypocrites, when we have a hard time asking these questions of ourselves. So Jesus said, be a little bit more like kids. Be a little more transparent. Your motive, Needs to match your actions. Both things are important, by the way. Notice Jesus didn't say, if you decide to pray, do it this way. He says, when you pray. He didn't say, if you decide to give, do it this way and not that way. He said, when you give, right? So purity is both things. The peel and the meat of the apple is the same as the core. Integrity. Wholeness from inside to the outside. Purity, it's all the same. What you see is what you get. This isn't just some license that if your heart's telling you to sin, to just go sin, and that's integrity. And to brag about it. I don't think so. Purity is both. It's our actions and our our attitudes. Because, Because really our actions are just a reflection of our heart. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, think about financial giving. Don't you love to think about finances in church? I mean, Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. That's hard. If I look at how I use money, it's a reflection of my priorities. And I maybe sometimes rather say, well, that's not really true. But Jesus said, that's really true. It's what's from the inside coming to the outside. And if you can't, won't give outside of yourself, Jesus says, there's a problem. Watch where your heart is. Guard your heart. So it's the outside stuff too. He said that about words too, didn't he? For out of the heart comes the overflow of the mouth. It's not what comes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. When the words we say, if they're profanity, there's dirtiness inside the core. It's just coming out. It's the same. It's what's in there. You'd like to say, "Ooh, I said that. That's not like me. But actually, it's a moment of honesty. That is what's in there. It's it's a mirror. It's saying, hey, that's what's really in there. If if we have to brag about all of our good things that we did so that you'll notice, that's insecurity. It's something that's coming from in the heart. And, man, I struggle with this. How about you? I'm a man. I have an ego. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) If, if I fix the doorknob, I want a trophy for it. I have to make sure Teresa saw that. And then the next five guests that come over, did you see what I did? I had to do this to line up the latch. It's really tricky, by the way. And, and I just have to go on and on and on and on about this. Did you fix the door because it really needed to be fixed or because you wanted a prize? <laughs> I'll open the door for somebody in public. And they'll walk through, and they won't acknowledge it. Oh, I can just feel it in me. That was so rude. Now, why did I open the door? Is it because genuinely I care about them, and I want to be nice to them, or it's because I expect their applause? There's a mixed motive in there, and it's challenging to me. Let somebody in when there's construction and traffic, blah, blah, blah. There's just times when you realize there is sin, Living in me. And Jesus, what he's saying is be honest about it. We need to review our motives. We need to pay attention to our actions. Be careful of being an actor. And the truth is don't we all want to be an actor, not just in front of people, but before God too? Can you be completely honest with your soul? God. Jesus is saying, this is, this is what the kingdom's really like. To be pure in heart means to do the right things for the right reasons. Soren Kierkegaard, a brilliant 17th century Danish philosopher, said, Purity of heart is to will one thing. In fact, he wrote a, a work entitled Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. And I quoted it at the bottom for you, and it's something really to think about. It's kind of deep, actually. The pure of heart is just to will one thing. Why do I do what I do? Why? Is it really just because I'm kingdom focused and I want to please Jesus more than anyone and because he's my king and the kingdom of God is rulership over my heart and my life? Is that the one thing that I really care about the most? You know, our world's been focused so heavily on purity in the last 14 months hand sanitizer sales went up 200% in 2020. We're so concerned, we're suddenly aware that there are contaminants in our environment, whether it's what we touch or what we breathe. We're suddenly so aware that there are contaminants, but all the while, are we equally as concerned as the contaminants in our heart? Are we careful about what our heart is breathing in? Are we careful about what our heart is eating? Are we careful about what our mind is taking in, what our eyes are seeing? Blessed are those who are pure in heart, on the outside and on the inside. It's doing the right things. Don't get me wrong. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 12. He keeps watch over you. He knows. God sees it all. And he'll reward you according to what you do. Both of them are there. God sees all of it. He knows your motives. And it's about what you do. It's it's all of them together. Are you with me? third thing that I feel challenged with from this beatitude is that this is a call for me to refocus my attention and my affection. I want that my knee-jerk reaction with decisions and opportunities to glorify God would, would be to do the right thing. Just this, it would come from the inside out. It would be pure. That, that it would just be my first response. And I think the only way to do that is spiritual disciplines, by the way. Spiritual disciplines. Being faithful to read scripture. Being faithful to pray. Being faithful to meet with others. Building relationships together that that feed our soul. Doing this. Worship. Extolling God in in worship together. Focusing on his word. These disciplines make us stronger from the inside I want my first reaction to be goodness, don't you? I want to see God. I want people to see God in my life. I want to be the same person on the inside and what I'm thinking and feeling and being as I am on the outside. And to do that, I need to choose to refocus my attention and my affections. The heart is the seat of my attention and my affections. Where am I placing my focus in this life? Have you all noticed the traffic has increased in the Treasure Valley? Yesterday, I was on Meridian Road. And I was coming up and I just happened to glance right out of the corner of my eye. This is a three-lane major road these days. Used to be just stop signs and one way each way. No longer. It's one way, three lanes going one way. You know how crazy people are. (laughs) And they're... All of a sudden, I spotted out of the corner of my eye yesterday, a mama duck had jumped off of the curb, and like 10 babies were just like this coming down. And I think, oh, man. So I happen to be in the far left lane where she is, so I stopped. What are we going to do? <laughs> Somehow, the people next to us, my wife did open her door and do this. She's a hero. <laughs> and people, people stopped. And, and Mama Duck and these little babies all got across. They even hopped up the, you know, the next curb before we went on. Felt like such a victory to me. I was so anxious about it. And I've been reflecting on how anxious I have felt since that incident for Mama Duck and her babies. I just want to tell her, don't cross Meridian Road. <laughs> There's water everywhere around here. You've got to find a better place that is me. I've been thinking about why emotionally it stirred such a strong response that I'd be willing to risk being rear-ended to stop for these ducks. But it isn't anything that I had to think about. It's just the impulse to stop, right? I also thought about Mama Duck. You know, she can fly. She will literally get hit by cars before she leaves her babies that's purity of heart. I've been thinking a lot about parenthood lately. Imagine that. And and the process that a person goes through to prepare to become a parent. And one of the things that I like in myself more and more is the, the more unselfish person I became when I became a parent. You don't know that until you have this heart affection for this precious life. You can't begin to describe, I can't begin to describe as a dad, how precious and important that life is. That, that I would suddenly do anything. I mean, being a parent's a big commitment. It, it messes with everything. <laughs> it's painful. It's difficult. <laughs> you, you won't eat in peace. You won't sleep in peace. You won't get in the car in peace. (laughs) Everything is upside down for this little one. And yet, it's the best thing in the world. And I think this is the kind of commitment Jesus is calling us to live. Is Jesus your heart affection? Is living according to his purity? Is that what you couldn't not think of doing, just like slamming on the brakes or staying with the babies crossing the street? Is, is, it, is it in there what we see coming out? To be pure of heart, just to close these thoughts, is to be continually aware of God's presence. Even now, I'm an empty nester. Yahoo! <laughs> Even now, I am continually aware of my kids. Always. Always. And I think Jesus is calling for something like that with regard to his lordship in our lives. Are you continually aware of his presence? Because he sees everything. How about, specific to what we've shared in Matthew 6 especially, but are you content with God's praise alone? I mean what if you do something really sacrificial in service to someone else it could be a ministry within a church could be anything and what if it isn't met with this incredible applause or appreciation what if am i doing this for an audience of one am i only focused one day on hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. We all need appreciation and attention, no question about it. But we all feel it sometimes. Am I content, am I truly content just with God's praise as my motive? And then, am I centered around God's priorities? Some of us attended a Friends Church Multiplication Conference last fall. Dr. Ed Setzer was the main speaker, and it was an online conference. Wonderful conference. This guy, Ed Setzer, he's kind of a crack up. And he tells this story about when he was in his 20s. He went to a country in Africa, and he was on a short-term mission. And during a worship service, which was unlike any worship service he'd ever been to, for one thing it was three hours long, (laughs) he noticed the exuberance of these people and And he told a story of how they take the offering during this service. So this is a totally different culture than he's used to. Uh, If I remember right, he's from Michigan. He's not from Africa. And and so when they went to do the offering, there was this wonderful music, very upbeat. And the offering was at the altar. And as people came to give their offering, they did a big dance. They did, I mean, just, just these incredible dances while this... Music was going on with a, with a huge beat. And, and so he's just watching, and he's thinking, I can't dance. See, the, the only thing I know about dancing has to do with finger pointing, you know? So I, I don't know what to do. But he found himself during this long offering. See, that's one way to do it, stewards. <laughs> it's not enough. Keep dancing. <laughs> he found himself doing this crazy dance as best he could and bringing his gift to the altar. And it's an experience that he's reflected on and he talked about it in his talks in this multiplication conference. And and he said he thinks the reason he was willing to shamelessly lose his pride, no matter what anybody else thought, is because he was on mission. He was there with a purpose. That's why he was there in Africa. And he knew that he was on mission. And the challenge for that for all of us is this. We are on mission. The kingdom of God is today. It's in our culture. It's here. It's right now. People need to experience the love of Jesus Christ in this world right now. And so often, we're just not centered around the right things. Our hearts and our affections are divided everywhere. We don't have a pure heart. We don't have a pure life. We're not continually aware of God's presence. And I've experienced that. Have you? Have you been on a short-term mission? I've experienced that, where you're willing to do things that you'd never consider doing because you're too proud at home or you don't remember that you're on mission. The first time I had an opportunity to preach, I was in high school and I preached in Spanish. Why? Because they heard that one of the kids liked to speak Spanish. And so they said, come preach. I just remember, they don't even know I didn't even grow up in the church. I know a couple of Bible verses, I'll, do it. I'll give it what I got. And it was a delightful experience. But I was willing because I was on mission. We're all on mission. We're all here for a purpose, to be single-minded, to have one will, the kingdom of God. Join me for a few moments of reflection Let's stop together, invite God to speak to us personally or individually about our circumstance or our life at this moment. We refer to this time as open worship. It's a time for us to listen for the Holy Spirit speaking to us personally or individually. You can use this time to pray, perhaps review scripture, however it is the Lord leads you. This time may be spent in silence or others may be called to speak. And if you do, if you would, please use a microphone to share with the group. However, the Lord prompts, let's be faithful to recognize he's here. And this is all about him. Let's attend to the presence of the Lord.